Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Hello and welcome. It is a delight to be with you again this week, and I'm very excited to share my guest today, Paul Selig, who is a true a uh, beautiful channel when it comes to words and concepts of consciousness. He is an individual that has uh, conducted many workshops and speaking engagements where guides have come through him. He's born in New York City. Paul attended New York University and received his master's degree from Yale. A spiritual experience in 1987 left him clairvoyant. Paul Selig is considered one of the foremost contributors to the field of channeled literature working today. He has served on the faculty of NYU for over 25 years and is the former director of the MFA in Creative Writing Program at Goddard College, where he now serves on the Board of Trustees. You can find out about all of his books at paulseelig.com. And today we are discussing The Kingdom, book three of the Beyond the Known trilogy. And here is a little piece of that. The teaching of today is indeed freedom, and with freedom comes faith. But when you know yourself is free, you are not denying what was, you are moving beyond it. You are lifting in strata and vibration beyond the codification of identity that you have utilized to get what you think you should have through the mask that you have worn that you believe to be real. The idea of who you are, identity, persona, is indeed useful, but you are not what you think. In fact, you have never been. Uh, welcome, Paul, to 1111 Talk Radio. It is a delight to have you here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'd love to to dive into this. This particular book is the third in the Beyond the Known trilogy, and it is uh, part of several series that you have channeled to help us remember, to help us realize that we are of the divine nature and that we have um, bought into an idea idea of a smaller self or immerse so deeply into a smaller self that we have not allowed ourselves to connect in to the truth of who we are. Can you give a sense of how the Beyond the Known trilogy is different and distinct from mm-hmm. some of the other books that you have written? Well, you know, I haven't written any books. I sit in a chair and I close my eyes and I hear, and then I speak what I hear in the recordings of what I speak. Um, become the books. The books are the unedited transcripts. So this is the third trilogy that the guides have dictated. I think that the first two trilogies were really in preparation for where they're taking us now in this trilogy and I expect beyond. Um, The Beyond the Known trilogy focuses on what the guides call the upper room, which they say is the octave of vibration and consciousness that exists concurrent with ours, but it's it's the step above, it's the octave above. So each of the other books was really about preparing the individual and the energetic system of the individual to a higher level of vibrational alignment and sort of an instruction, I would suggest, in what stands in the way of that alignment and support in moving beyond it. In the Beyond the Known trilogy, they're actually taking us to a level of consciousness 
that they say we've been previously denied. You know, we've been told we weren't there because the reality or octave that we live in has been knowing itself through this belief in separation for as long as, you know, we've known ourselves in time. And the guides say, well, that's simply not true. But in order to move to that level of alignment, you need to you need to shift the idea of who and what you are to be able to hold the higher level of tone or frequency, which they say is the upper room. And that tone and frequency that we currently hold, it is very mm. much entrenched in identity. It is out mm. of the cultural and the social and any, any whether you call it programming or conditioning, mm. uh, that we have encountered and we live in a very entrenched society so that means very much in our our egos whether that is egotistical or whether that is simply a claiming of who we believe ourselves to be so that freedom that i initially read about the freedom mm-hmm. and with freedom comes mm-hmm. faith mm-hmm. is that freedom the freedom from our identity or is that freedom the freedom of uh, allowing ourselves a new choice uh, where does the faith come into that? How does that, because many people well, will say, well, no, I need to have faith first and then I get the freedom. But it seems like there's a reason that mm. you're saying freedom with freedom then comes faith. Well, I, my suspicion here is that they're talking about the upper room and the upper room, which is a level of consciousness or vibration that they bring us to, um, is a level of vibration when there, where there is no fear. You're not aligning to fear there. Fear doesn't express at that level of vibration. That's the reality we know ourselves in. So, you know, once you're there, you're operating from knowing, which is clear cognizance, and you're moving beyond the systems of programming that we've all been somewhat entrenched in. You know, the guides say, you know, we're born into a world where fear is highly present. It's as if they say, you know, we, we we stepped into the pool where somebody already peed, you know, and then that's our reality and we accept it and we, you know, we, we are conditioned to it and we end up replicating it because the guides say the action of fear is to claim more fear. And, you know, the opposite of fear, I suppose, might be called faith. So in the upper room, you're aligning to a level of being where you're in an awareness of the presence of the divine. And to be in the presence of the divine is to be, you know, in, I would suggest, faithful or full of faith. Now, throughout the book, there are three words that I continuously saw. One was realization, one Mm -hmm. was reclamation, and one was Mm -hmm, mm re-articulation. Can you provide an understanding of these three words and how they are different? from one another in in allowing us to move beyond the identity and back into this knowing of our true self. I'll see if I can. I mean, realization, the guides say, is knowing. To realize something is to know it. When you know something, you're no longer thinking. You know, the guides say the small self, which is the personality structure, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's who we think we are. The, The small self thinks the true self knows. So knowing is realization. What was the second one on the list, please? Uh, it was realization, reclamation, reclamation. and articulation. Yes. Reclamation is reclaiming the aspect of us and the reality of the inherent divine. So the guides say the only real problem humanity faces is what they call the denial of the divine. 
you know, that they say the inherent source of all things is present in all manifestation, but we've been conditioned to ignore it and we no longer see it, even though it's all things. The guides say there is one note played in the entire universe that's in manifestation or articulation as all things. So the tree is of source, the ocean is of source, your hand is of source, your liver is of source, those people over there that you can't stand are of source. But, you know, because they can't not be, there's one energy that's pervasive in all things. So reclamation is the reclaiming of the inherent divine. Was the last one rearticulation? Was it yes. a Yes. Yes, rearticulation. rearticulation is the big concept here, and it's really where they're going in the next book, which they've already begun dictation you know, on just, just a week and a half ago, and I was shocked that it began already. The guides say that everything that we see in manifestation is in articulation. It's an articulation of the divine, or matter is the divine in a lower field. You know, it's just everything is in tone. The guides say we're in an octave with high notes and low notes, and everything is in resonance within this octave. As they lift us to the higher octave, which is the purpose of their work, um, they take us through a process that they call rearticulation, which is in some ways being made new or being re reclaimed within the higher octave of resonance, which they say is source, which has always been present but been denied. So the guides say, you know, you can't make anything holy, it already is. Everything is holy, but it's been denied. So to be re-articulated, I suspect, is to be re-known, which is realized anew, in a higher accord or higher octave, which is in form, because the guides say the body comes along for this ride. And you can only live so far in form because the body itself is limited. But our own denial of the inherent divine, which is the God within all things, has in our reality included the denial of the inherent divinity of form of the body. So if you're denying that you're not holy and your body is not holy, how can you know the divinity of anything else in form or matter, the tree or, you know, the sky or the ocean? The, the guides through you have provided an attunement, um, and one of one of the books that the guides has uh, brought through you was called I Am Word. But the indication mm -hmm. that was given was, I am word through my body, word, mm -hmm. I am word, I am word through my vibration, yeah. word, I am word, I am word through my knowing of myself as word, word, mm -hmm. I am word. And mm -hmm. so is that really meaning that, that through the use of our word through tone through intonation through frequency of the words is coming out and the meaning that is how we either re-imprint ourselves to that lower self or idea of separateness or that is how we bring ourselves back to the remembrance of being yeah. divine i think that's exactly it i mean i you know it's funny just after the last question i think the first attunement which was to the word which they brought through in a little group that I had in my apartment when I was in my early 30s and I'm in my late 50s now. And I think that that attunement in that first book in some ways holds the DNA of all that follows, but it really is, a pre the premise is rearticulation. To claim I am word is to claim that you are you, the one note played in all things. The guides use different terms to describe the divine within, and at times they, they talk about the monad, 
you know, or sometimes they'll talk about the Christ and they say their definition of the Christ is the aspect of the creator that can be realized in form, in manifestation. So the whole process of rearticulation is a reclamation of who and what we are and a higher octave. And the language that the guides use, they say, is encoded with vibration, which is why people can feel the attunements when they work with them. So, and I loved how you, how the words came through in terms of we are here to live in accord with, with that of the divine. Mm-hmm. And it was spelled A-C-C-O-R-D, but then it was also translated as A-C-H-O-R-D, accord yeah. as if in music. So we yeah. are that harmony mm-hmm. that is to be here, but we must attune ourselves yeah. to that harmony. Exactly right. Now, you asked a question about the realm of magnificence when they brought out that we are here as a manifestation and all these things that we are that we call by name, whether it's a doorway or a teacup or this, that, or the other, are manifestations that we see as separate. But until we see those very things as God and us as the, the God of that, only then we'll reach the realm of magnificence. But the ego or the mind's view of the realm of magnificence is different than the guide's view. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about what the guides mean by the realm of magnificence? I don't know. I forgot that they used that phrase, but I, I suspect what they're talking about, because they've, they've harped on this a lot and actually recently, is that our idea of God or our idea of the kingdom or any of these things is still highly informed by the egoic structure that's been taught what to expect. So, you know, I think that whatever we're doing more than likely is diminishing source. Um, And magnificence, I suspect, which is a strong word, I didn't realize that that was a word that they'd used, um, you know, is is a word that's implying majesty you know, and, and enormity and stunning beauty from, to my mind. But, you know, we live in a culture that tells us what heaven should be. It should look like, you know, angels with harps, you know. And the guide said the upper room isn't heaven. It's, it's a higher level of consciousness. You're still in a body. You still got a kid. If you have a kid, you still have the job you had. But your relationship with all these things is altered somehow, you know, in a higher way. Or you're knowing yourself in participation to a different reality than you've been conditioned to. This is my understanding. I'm not saying that I'm there yet. I think I'm doing better than I used to with this stuff. Um, Because I'm as challenged by these teachings, I suspect, as any of the students are. The difference is that I'm the radio for it. So I'm privy to the broadcast, but, you know, being the radio for something doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're, you're, you're the expert on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably because it does trans- come through you, you know, individuals probably think that you have the deep integration of every single word that comes through. But you are, you are being a student alongside mm-hmm. with being the channel. Yeah, you know, I can interpret the teachings as best I can, and when I screw it up, I usually get corrected by the guides, which I'm grateful for. I mean, they'll let me, they'll let me make my own mistakes. You know, they've been unpacking these teachings for some time, and my understanding of what something was supposed to mean, um, when the guides first started using the claim, I know what I am in truth, I assume that meant, oh, in your life, in your career, whatever, I know what I am, I'm a teacher, I'm a this, I'm a that. And they were really speaking about, I know what I am and what means manifestation. 
I know what the manifestation of my being is, which is an expression of the divine. So I'm learning along with this too. I, I generally, you know, call myself the guy that sits in the chair. I'm not a spiritual teacher. I do not want to be. I am certainly not a guru. Um, I would never want to be. But I'm happy to show up for this work because I'm sort of hoping that, you know, finally through my continued willingness to show up for this, I'll understand it more. It'll become more real for me, you know, and I'm grateful for how far they've taken me thus far. The guides say the magnificence we speak to is the manifestation of the divine. Imagine stepping through a doorway and what you experience is that one note sung in infinite Mm -hmm. ways Mm -hmm. and the claim of the kingdom and the manifestation of the one who has come to it. Behold, I make all things new. The, The alchemical claim of assumption, the divine assuming the material realm, is known by you not only in experience, but in new tongue, a new way of speaking, of invocation that actually reclaims the manifest world in the high octave that exists simultaneously with the one you have understood yourself in. This is from Paul Selig's book, The Kingdom, a channel text, book three of the Beyond the Known trilogy. Paul Selig's profound gift is to channel the unfiltered wisdom of the guides, higher beings who exist beyond the borders of traditional human understanding, and share it with the world. The Kingdom is a transcription of Paul's channeled messages direct from the guides in their complete and unedited forms. Considered one of the foremost channels working today, Paul Selig's books are the unedited unedited transcripts of channeling sessions delivered before live students. You can find out more about Paul Selig, many of his live events, as well as his online events at paulselig.com. Again, the name of the book is The Kingdom. Book three of the Beyond the Known trilogy. We'll be right back with more of Paul Selig and The Kingdom. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? more empowered community, greater fulfillment, and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 
1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back. Before I get back to my wonderful guest, Paul Selig, and our discussion on the kingdom, I'd love to share with you a special offer from BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com, is giving 1111 Talk Radio listeners 10% off their first month. If you'll just go to BetterHelp.com forward slash 11, spell out the words 11. If there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It is not a crisis line. It is not self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online and you can get 10% off your first month. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas, and it is uh, offered worldwide. You can log into your account at any time, send messages to your counselor, and you will get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you never have to leave uh, the comfort of your own home or, or sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, is committed to facilitating Great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So go ahead and check them out. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash 11. Spell out the word 11. That's betterhelp.com forward slash 11. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. My guest today is Paul Selig, and he has written a book, or channeled a book titled The Kingdom. It is his latest channeled text of the trilogy that is the Beyond the Known trilogy. Through a series of lectures and energetic attunements, the guides lift the reader to a level of awareness where all things may be reseen, renown, and reclaimed as of source. The first two books of the Beyond the Known series urged readers to step beyond their own understanding and enter into a transformational work that this knowledge demands. This process of growth and transformation finds its ultimate completion and fulfillment in the kingdom as readers are invited to dwell in a world transformed by new understanding. You can find out more about Paul at paulseelig.com. His link is in the bio description on the show page, so you can go right there. 
This is a teaching of truth, and what is true is always true. And our congratulation goes out to each of you who wish to attend this class, to read these words, to know this being that you have always been, and in fact, denied, in agreement and coherence and compliance to the idea of fear that would tell you it is not allowed, can never be, and never could have been. The divine spark in its risen state is the resurrection, the Christ within, the monad, the flame of the source of all things that assumes the being you are and dismantles the old. The ability to know who one is and to claim a world through new eyes is the agreement of this class, and this class will not end when this teaching ceases. This is from Paul's uh, latest channel text, The Kingdom. I'd like to unpack that a little bit, mm-hmm. Paul, sure. uh, specifically when it comes to the statement around fear, because uh, throughout the book, the guides do say that this aspect of fear that we are to move beyond, it was mm-hmm. something that uh, we did have agreement to and coherence and compliance with mm-hmm. up to now, but now it is time to to move beyond that. Talk a little bit about the agreement and the coherence and compliance with fear. If I can, I mean, I don't re- I don't recall the context of, of with how they said it in this text. I know they've talked about this many times. So the guides say, you know, the action of fear is to claim more fear and every choice made in fear gets you more of the same. Just look at your own lives. They do make a real distinction between fear and prudence. Prudence is wise. Prudence is... You know, well, the elevator door is open, but there's no elevator in the in the shaft, so best not to step across the threshold and, you know, kill yourself. So wisdom, I think, you know, is prudence. So they talk about our agreement to fear because we've basically been taught that fear is our protector. And I don't know that that's true. I think to be aware is and wise is one thing, but, you know, being fearful is something something rather different. So the guides have said in the past, you know, you build bombs to keep yourself safe in the belief that the bomb is going to protect you. But in fact, bombs are intended to explode. That's their job, you know? And and we live in a world where we think we're gonna be held safe by having the biggest bomb. So, I mean, that would be an example of this, I suspect. But our agreement to fear is the agreement to separation. They talk some, about our belief in scarcity and that God cannot be the source as the result of our separation from source. The belief that, you know, there will never be enough so I have to hoard and I have to draw boundaries and I have to, you know, hide what I got because somebody else is going to try to take it. I mean, all of that stuff, which, you know, our world and our history is, is riddled with. But they say that's us doing that. We've chosen that we've chosen to learn through separation and i suspect they're also saying that if we were to continue on that trajectory we probably wouldn't be here very much longer the guides have said that humanity has chosen to change at a higher level at a causal level the species they say has chosen to make it through this and that we're in a real process right now, collectively, of, of radical and massive change. They said this in the very first book, I Am the Word, which was channeled, you know, 10, 11 years ago. And they said, humanity is at a time of reckoning. And a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations. 
creations are things we make and claim in consciousness. And they've said, you know, everything that's been created in fear needs to be renowned in a higher way. And that's, I believe, what we're, we're living with now. I I wrote a book myself several years ago called Conversations with the Universe, and it mm-hmm. it is about how life speaks to us through the many things that happen. And if I look at the world right now, and especially what we've been through in mm-hmm. the last couple of years, uh, and even politically before that, it would mm-hmm. appear that fear is at an all-time high, that separation, yeah. discordance mm-hmm. is really yeah. at the highest it's ever been. Yeah. But at the same time, it also appears to me that these very things are part of what are bringing us together in oneness. Uh, to have mm-hmm. a pandemic, you know, cross our whole entire world is probably yeah. the first time our world has been at one. And even yeah. now to have a Delta variant, the mm-hmm. symbol for Delta is the triangle and the triangle is a symbol of truth. So there's this mm-hmm. almost dreamy illusion that's taking place that as I read your book, it kind of mm-hmm. took me there yeah. as to if we will move to the higher octave of seeing the higher benefit in everything perhaps that rises us above the fear? Yeah. Well, everything can be seen as an opportunity to learn. You know, the guy said to me, it was in the Book of Mastery, which was the beginning of the second trilogy, at a time when I was feeling under siege in every area of my life and complaining loudly about it. And the guide said, you know, you can't be a victim and a master at the same time. And our relationship to our experience, I suspect, is is part of what decides that for us. So, you know, I've had an extraordinary experience over the last year. You know, I was living in Manhattan and I was in Costa Rica for a week uh, doing a, a, a workshop in New York shut down. It went into lockdown while I was there. And I ended up on Maui, a place I'd never been. And I ended up never going back to New York. It's the strangest mm. thing. But honestly, the growth that I've experienced through this has been truly remarkable. And my experience of the guide's teachings has become far more real, you know, through this sort of unplanned experience. It's not that I'm, you know, saying that all of this is a good thing in the world. But I think that how we're able to attend to things in consciousness and claim a relationship to it can be our learning. Your life becomes your teacher. The guides have been saying this for years. Your life is your teacher. The the choice of the day is the teaching of the day, what you're going to learn through. Yes, I very much agree with that. Uh, With the latest book that I have coming out in Mm -hmm. the end of this month, the, the crux of it is that if we just simply use our life, it has everything we need to evolve to our highest state. And in looking at what you said in the last segment and much of what you've said in this segment, it's almost as if it is deeply resonant to the statement, be in the world, but not of it. That we are here to live our lives, to truly embody where and who we are, but from that, what you say, higher octave place of seeing everything. Yeah. The guides have used that quote themselves in, 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 in their teaching. So... That's what it means, yeah, being in the world but not of it. And so many of the words that you have written, such as I know who I am in truth, I know what I am in truth, I know how I serve in truth, and many of the invocations that they have provided through you, uh, I am in the upper room, all of these are really 
more so to keep reminding us to stay at that octave as we we remember that in our knowing? No, I don't think that they're reminders. Um, the guy who, who would, would, was traveling with me for years on the road used to say, how, how, how long do we have to say this? You know, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve. And the guide said, well, until you know it, and then you don't have to say it because it's simply true. So, I, for example, I don't walk around saying, you know, I'm Paul, I'm Caucasian, I'm in a male body, I lost my hair. I don't, I know these things, right? I don't necessarily know my divinity. But these claims are activations and they're working with the energetic system. The guides have said, when you know, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve, I am free, I am free, I am free. Um, that's a chord. All of those are notes in a chord. And when the chord is struck and played fully, then you're moving into a level of realization. Very good. In the book, you talk about a bit about choice. Uh, the guides talk about first to be accountable in that lower vibrational field is the alignment of our will through choice. And, but yet it is also through that choice that we move into that upper room that is that continual act of creation. But they say that the choice is different there because we... We hold a choice that's truer to our nature. Uh, I think my question is around one choice seems more like an ego- egoic identity-driven choice. Where is the other choice to stem from for us to really live in that higher place? Because it still seems that it would come from the ego first. Go ahead and talk, speak about choice to whatever degree sure. you would like to, Paul. My, under, my understanding of the question was that, you know, when are we choosing from the personality structure, which is born in history and knows itself through history? So all of the options that I think are available to me are the options of that I was taught. When I grow up, I can be a doctor, a lawyer, an artist. You know, this is the list of potential that I might know myself through. The guides say in the upper room, you're moving to clear cognizance or knowing, true knowing. And true knowing means you're operating from the source of your being. The true self knows, the small self thinks. So when your choices are made from your knowing, I think you're probably pretty clear. If you look at your own life and you look at a time in your life when you knew, I knew the marriage was over, I knew the kid was sick, I knew I got the job. Whenever you knew something, truly knew it, and if you remember this, you'll remember that you were not afraid. In that moment of knowing, there is no fear. There may be fear about what happens after the marriage ends, or after the job is lost, or after the diagnosis is set, or the procedure for the diagnosis is set. But you're not afraid in the moment of knowing. And the, and the guides say, when you know, you're compelled to act on that knowing, even if the knowing is it is not time to do a damn thing. So that's my understanding of it. And and the guides also say when we make these choices to make those changes from that place of knowing, we do so regardless of the outcome, which means that even our, I guess our soul contract is making choices, knowing that we are going to go through different types of experiences and have all kinds of outcomes. But even that, we're not to get to that place of fear or judgment around. Mm-hmm. So as we move into this higher octave of ourselves and we start to discover true self, 
where is the transition or what is the distinction between personal will and divine will? And how do mm. we bridge those two? Understood. So I think the old paradigm has been, and this is, you know, a Christian teaching, thy will, not mine, be done. And I sort of bought into that through my old years as a 12-stepper, you know, well, there must be something inherently wrong with my will, so I'm going to turn it over. But the idea of turning one's will over to source isn't denying of the will, it's allowing the divine to support will in a higher way. So the guides talk about this phenomena of the braiding of the will. They talk about the will of the personality self in agreement to the divine will, where the divine will basically overrides it or it becomes one. And that's when they say it's sort of the teaching of, you know, I am I will to will thy will, or I am one with the will of source or the father or the mother, whatever you want to call it. So that it actually becomes a place where we're not operating from that level of conflict. You know, the guides also say that you come to a point in this stuff where you're not really wanting, you're receiving. You know, you're, you're an awareness and an alignment to source so that your needs are met through your realization of the presence of source. You know, I've begun to have those experiences, and it's really kind of shocking to me that I don't have to beseech, you know, and beg and say, why don't I have what I want now? It's a bit more about, well, here it is, you know, and this is perhaps even better than you would have chosen, you know, because what I choose is what I think I'm supposed to have, and that's based on what I was taught to want or expect, which is, again, cultural edict. The guides say, each of you here is being seen, is being known, and we will say these words for you now. You have come, you have come, you have come. And as we teach you, as we know you, as you are realized in our knowing, we say these words. You have come, not just for the self, but for the transition humanity now undergoes, for the reclamation of the sacred where it has been denied, and in remembrance of the divine that has always been here, and simply seeks its own revelation from one who has the eyes with which to see, we thank you for your presence, period, period, period. This is from Paul Seelig's latest channel text, The Kingdom, book three in the Beyond the Known trilogy. You can find out more about Paul, his live events, his online events, as well as his many different series that he has channeled. If you'll go to his website, paulseelig.com. We'll be right back after these messages and hear a little bit more. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset. 
Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more? More joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? more empowered community, greater fulfillment, and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Considered one of the foremost channels working today, Paul Selig's books are unedited transcripts of channeling sessions delivered live before students. We're discussing his latest one, The Kingdom, a channel text, which is book three in the Beyond the Known trilogy. Find out more about him at paulselig.com. From the book, The Kingdom. Now, the speaking of the word into being is the gift of the divine that has been bestowed upon humanity. You have become creators indeed. You have, but you've created in a kingdom of fear. And that is the separation you believe yourselves to be in, as a small self and a collective citizenship that lives outside of God. Now, once you understand that your true inheritance, the divine as who and what you are, is what claims the kingdom into manifestation. The true kingdom, we say, may be met by you in an articulated state. Articulation is manifestation. You are in an articulated state in a body, in an energy field, and everything you perceive is an articulation of consciousness in agreement to you. Or simply put, vibratory accord. Accord as on a piano. Again, that is from his book, The Kingdom. Book three in the Beyond the Known trilogy. Uh, they talk a bit about the gift of being, Paul, in terms of uh, they reference Christ and, and his path as a teacher and a mystic that achieve and sought realization. And it is the path of the gift of being. Uh, I know in my, my own works and several books that I have coming out, uh, all of your work is very resident. And I gained my experiences through life, through living and coming to this realization of these lower selves and higher selves. Mm -hmm. And it is being that I think has been misconstrued by many people. That word in itself can, Mm -hmm. many people might think that that's just me pie in the sky thinking something, not doing anything, sitting back. 
mm-hmm. but there's a different type of being that's involved when it comes to accessing our divine nature, and that mm-hmm. has to do with knowing, but is there an inspired action or some type of action involved in the gift of being? I think there often is. I mean, the guides have said it this way, you know, they say how one serves is how one is most fully expressed as the true self. But they talk about that as being at a level of vibrational accord and resonance where the vibration that you hold and your consciousness is actually informing matter. So you walk into a room, they say, and you basically become the doorway to the higher by nature of presence. So the idea there is that it's how you be that you know makes the difference. But I would also say they've said at every state and every teaching how you show up for what's before you is your is your path. So I mean they said you know if a person beside you is hungry, feed them. You know I mean there's always action to take. Now, I think we live in a culture right now where people assume that, you know, if they're on a spiritual path, their career should reflect that. And I don't know that I agree with that. I think that that's almost spiritually consumerism at a certain point. Um, I taught at NYU for 25 years. I left about five years ago. I loved the work I did. And that was my spiritual journey for a long time, was being a classroom teacher. And it it supports me in, in doing the work that I do now, only in that I'm very shy. And I learned to sit in front of a room and talk um, through those years. And I think I learned how to love through teaching, which was a, a tremendous gift for me. So the idea that, you know, how one serves is how one shows up for his or her experience I would say is enough, but I don't think it has to resemble what is traditionally thought of as service. I've known many miserable nurses in my life who went into nursing because they thought they were supposed to help people. And they would have been much happier doing something else, you know, and other people that would have been much happier being a nurse than perhaps an attorney. It's just the way it plays. So we have this choice to see with new eyes and hold a new world. And the guides say that this choice of new eyes for a new world comes at a cost of the old. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that this is at all a convenient teaching. You know, we want our spiritual life and we want to be head of the country club and we want our spiritual lives and we want to condemn our neighbor and we want our spiritual lives and we want to be self-righteous about our views about this subject or that subject. And I don't know that we get to have that, you know, in this teaching. Um, It is a teaching of forgiveness. Um, But forgiveness, people seem to think, means you remain a victim. And I don't believe that at all. Forgiveness is actually freeing ourselves from past attachment so that we we can move forward. The guides say who we put in darkness and what we put in darkness calls us to that darkness. And if we want to be free, we have to step out of the darkness and release the person we put there as well in the process, because that's who put us in the darkness with them. Um, So, you know, none of this is convenient. The teaching which they unpack in in the book, The Kingdom, Behold, I Make All Things New, is is a teaching of re-seeing. And everything they say is made new at this level of consciousness and vibration. How we perceive ourselves and our lives and our world, they say, is, is changed. 
but it's changed at the cost of the old, which is who I think I'm supposed to be and what I wanted to be. If anybody told me this is what I was going to be doing 25 years ago, I probably would have told them they were nuts. You know, I was raised an atheist. I mean, none of this stuff was, you know, this was for stupid people, you know, or or mentally challenged or whatever. It wasn't for uh, for somebody like me, you know. And the fact that, you know, I've been willing to go on this journey constantly surprises me, you know. But I continue to be on it. But it's been at the cost of who I thought I was. Well, and I think that that's the paradox because that cost is 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 the place where we feel like separation is happening and the pain is taking place but what it's actually asking of us is a mere acceptance of everything that was so that we can turn yeah. towards the new correct um, absolutely right it's not so, denying the past exactly right it's not denying the past so as we move into this place where where the separation or the stories that we tell ourselves to hang on to the grudges and the lies and the mm-hmm. whatever it is that we want to uh, to be righteous about, when we just simply accept those things and then choose to move forward, I think that there's one distinction and a separation that's taking place in our world where there is this vast swath of people that are wanting to do good, wanting to serve, be of the light, claiming that they are the light, but yet yeah. there's still judgment. Yeah. And and I think I've read a quote somewhere in, in this book or one of your books where where you say you cannot be the light as long as you hold judgment against the darkness expand on that one a little bit because i think that that's a huge piece of uh, unity that has to take place among all of us that we have to realize that the other is the same divine that we are ascending to claiming well they say you can't be the light and hold another in darkness and they say who you put in darkness calls you to the darkness and they also say self-righteousness is always the small self the personality self I mean, you know, I used to see people saying, I'm a spiritual warrior, and then condemning everybody. And I went, well, I don't know where the spirituality is in that. You know, judge not lest ye be judged is not a teaching of the guides. It's actually a New Testament teaching. And to bring something to the light to be seen is to heal it, to illumine it, not to, you know, attack. So I, I think that there's a fair amount of hypocrisy in the spiritual community around this kind of thing, I suspect there always has been. And certainly it's endemic in religion. So, you know, I don't know that we get to cherry pick who is holy and what is holy and what is not. I think that that's born out of the convenience of the ego and clannishness. And as long as we have that, we're operating in separation, you know. And if you want to call that spiritual, I suppose you can, you know. But... That's not how I understand it to be. How have you interpreted the guides to support us in finding neutrality around the things that are happening in the world today? Well, it's about, I don't know that it's about neutrality and about what's happening in the world. I think acceptance is part of it. I mean, you know, but the guides also say, you know, if you're walking down the street and two people are having a fight and you're in a position to stop the fight, stop the fight. You know, it's not about complacency necessarily. I do think it's a lot about intent. And what is the intent in someone's action? If the intent is to harm or to be right in order to make somebody else wrong or to win the battle, you're stuck in the old paradigm. So acceptance is, in my mind, 
an acceptance of what is. But I think the way the guides are teaching this is to realize the active, I would say underline the word active, not passive, presence of the divine upon what you see. Because what has been put in darkness can be reclaimed. It's so much of the guides teaching. You know, to bless something is to is to to realize, which is to know the presence of the divine, where the trouble, the problem, the person, the issue seems to be. And if you do believe in God or source or whatever you want to call it, that's not passive. People say, well, you know, sending thoughts and prayers, but it means nothing unless you're really the thinking and praying. And then maybe it does mean something because it, there, that can also imply action on your part. There's a difference between saying pray for the homeless and get some damn blankets and give them out, you know, which is a real act that one can do. And if one is called to do it, you do it, you know. So there's this kind of stuff. So I think acceptance isn't necessarily about deciding that everything is benign, that there aren't people doing horrible things in the world. There are. You know, and, and that needs to be seen and, and addressed. But also, you can't do that without, effectively, according to the guides, without realizing that the divine must be in that person you think is evil. Because to decide that God can't be there is to say that God can't be anywhere. And you're limiting God and you're denying the presence of the God where, in fact, it is and has been denied and ignored. Mm. Uh, the text, The Kingdom, is a teaching of unification where we must address the idea of separation and claim humanity that uh, we are about to ascend. It says that reconciliation is the gift of this book. And I'll go back to the statement you made, which is, Behold, I make all things new, which was from the New Testament. But here mm -hmm. it is said that that is the alchemical act of reconciliation, which mm -hmm. supports the meaning of the claim, God is. Mm -hmm. Could you close out our show talking a little bit about reconciliation and the ultimate message that this book is trying to express to us? Well, I, I would suggest that what has been put outside of God in ourselves and in our world needs to be reconciled to God or whatever you want to call God. So, you know, the guides say you can't have it, but you have a dead body in the basement. It's going to stink up the whole house one day. So you've got to reclaim it. And you've got to, you know, exhume it and bring it to the light to be reconciled to source. I think the idea of reconciliation is an idea of bringing home and bringing home what has been dispossessed, who has been dispossessed, the aspect of ourselves that have been, you know, dispossessed or denied God is what they're teaching. And the claim God is, God is, God is, which they say is an attunement. And a powerful one is the re-knowing of this and the stating of it is the conveyance of the energy and the action. What are we to do with the questions that we have? Indeed, all things are in chains, but we have decisions to make about how to live our lives. Here's the gift. You don't get to know. The guides will say you get to know that any outcome that holds the seed of the divine or the inherent divine will be productive, perhaps not comfortable, perhaps not enjoyable as you would wish it. But the gift of each outcome becomes a new way to learn, a new way to be. In the escalated vibration that you are all experiencing, the dust storm has kicked up. You cannot see much in a dust storm. Perhaps you can move an inch or two, a foot or two. 
holding your hands before you, waiting for it to clear. But until the dust settles, you will not see where you stand. But you must trust, and you all must trust, that where you find yourself standing is a higher plane, a resonant field, the upper room, if you wish to call it this. This is from the book The Kingdom, a channeled text, book three of the Beyond the Known trilogy, uh, transcripted and unedited as a channeling session by Paul Selig. You can find out more about Paul at paulselig.com. That's paulselig.com. His link is in the bio. Feel free to click that. Join me next week as I have another wonderful guest. And also take a moment to click the banner at the top of my show page. My new book is about to be released and you can pre-order it now. Until next week, I am Simran. In love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simran next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.